This podcast is part of the Christian Geek Central Network at ChristianGeekCentral.com. Hello, and welcome to the Theology Gaming Podcast. Welcome to our buying shopping things holiday season spectacular with Andrew Crawford. How you doing? Doing great, Zach. <laughs> We've got a lot of games to cover, so we should probably just jump right into it. Yeah, why wait? All right, so uh, the first game in our gigantic list, so that we don't uh, lose time, is uh, Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, which came out September 1st, so it falls under our arbitrary deadline of not going beyond August or something like that. <laughs> we just kind of drew a month out of the hat and said this is where we're going to start. Yeah, so. so we'll just do it that way. Uh, so did you play any Metal Gear before this or no? No, I hadn't. Okay, so we did a podcast on this, like, a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to tell you, it's my game of the year, so... <laughs> it's a lot of people's game of the year. Yeah, it's a fantastic open-world stealth experience, and I can't imagine anyone not enjoying it, even if you skipped all of the cutscenes. <laughs> the story is completely irrelevant to enjoying the actual game, if that makes any sense. I have a strange enjoyment of games like that. <laughs> Yeah, this one is basically all sorts of fun things and all sorts of video game nonsense that I think anybody could enjoy. So if you like that sort of single-player open-world thing, this is one of the most mechanically sound ones I've ever played, and probably the best stealth action game ever played. Yeah, I've, I've played bits and pieces of it, just because like, my friends own it and stuff. And I like I personally thought it was... Because like, I just love the stealth thing in general. Like I love being able to basically like fight on your own terms which is kind of the basis of all stealth games ever is just being able to like start engagements on your own and yeah it was it was so like you said just so mechanically sound like it was just unreal yeah and you can basically take any mission from multiple angles and if you are so inclined you can go and kill everything <laughs> which is considered a viable option for the most part <laughs> but the controls are solid enough that you can literally just play the game like a crazy person Always oh, a solid option. Yeah. <laughs> so, nice, to have, nice to have that in the back pocket. Yeah, and then you can just keep developing weapons. There's way too many weapons in this game, and it just goes on and on and on. And before I just keep rambling on, which I already did, I'm just going to say this is a game probably worth buying. <laughs> I, I would agree. Although I would question, is it even possible to have too many guns? Like, is that a thing? Yeah, there's literally too many guns in the Phantom Pain. Like, if you keep developing the mother base, they just keep coming and coming and coming, and there's just, like, hundreds of variations of guns you already own. You know, like, stealth sniper rifles with sleeping darts and, you know, poison gas, and just, yeah, it just gets really over the top. And then you have a dog with an eye patch? I mean, how can you beat that? Yeah, I mean, that alone, just buy it. It has the dog with an eye patch. Need we say more? <laughs> yeah, need we say more. So, yeah, but of yourself, I'd buy it. Yeah, highly recommend yeah. it. Well, as months. long as you're rated M for mature. So if you're 17 or older, yeah. you're good. Yeah, we're, we're not going to recommend it to minors. Hint, hint. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's next on the list? Mad Max. Did, did you play this? I have not played Mad Max. I didn't play it either. Uh, I hear it's an open world, another open world game. <laughs> And, um, yeah, it involves open-world shenanigans in a post-apocalyptic wasteland. So I guess that's really it. What I will do is, 
there's actually I think there's like one other game on this list that I'm actually going to do the same exact thing because I have a really good friend who I actually like really trust his opinion on video games uh-huh. and he happens to be a huge Mad Max fan like I don't know I don't know how that happens I don't know how you become like a huge fan of Mad like, Max in like general the franchise or the yeah just... like just like just Mad Max is a franchise I, again I don't know how this happens but <laughs> supposedly he's a huge Mad Max fan and his personal review was that if you're a huge fan of the series like in any way, like movies, games, whatever, you'll love it. But then if you don't, it's just kind of you won't really be able to get into it. Huh. Okay. Makes so, sense. Passing along an outside an outside sources information. Yeah. I, I imagine there's something to be said about it being enjoyable if you like the the recent movie. Or if you just happen to be a fan of the setting. But uh as far as it goes, I don't I had no interest in it and probably won't have any interest in it until it's like $5. Yeah, I, I probably won't even have interest in it then, but that's just because I have no interest in Mad Max in general. <laughs> Alright, so I'm going to guess it's a, a tentative not recommendation. Wait till it's cheap. Yeah, yeah, that's what we'll go for. <laughs> save your holiday money on it. Yeah, don't, save your holiday Don't spend your holiday money. Alright, next, something that you are very familiar with, uh, Destiny, the Taking King expansion which got a new retail release, so technically it counts. Even though Destiny came out last year. Anyway, we broke our rule. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> we had a rule? I didn't know we had a rule. We did have a rule? Alright, well, so... We just broke it. It's all good. Alright, so, uh, recommended? No? Yes? There is... I'll say this. There is no better time to get into Destiny than with the Taken King. And why would I want to start playing Destiny now? a year off from its original release date. <laughs> um, because, honestly, the biggest reason is because they very much leveled the playing field as far as when it comes to you, a newcomer, it will not take you long at all to reach the same kind of power base as somebody who's been playing for a while. It's very it's very newbie-friendly hmm. now with the current meta. The leveling experience is much more... It just makes more sense now. It just goes a lot smoother. You level up in levels a lot faster because it's XP-based now. The item level... The new light level, quote-unquote, which is basically just item level system actually makes some sort of sense now as opposed to just being a confused mess as it was in the first year. That's that's a good improvement, I guess. Yep. And then just overall, they made a lot of like smaller changes. Uh, they changed the voice for the ghost... Uh, for the better, in my opinion. Isn't it like uh, Nolan North now? Yes, it is Nolan North now. I don't even know how it <laughs> Um But it's, just, it's overall just... They, they made so many minor adjustments that just made the game better. Like, there's just... It's like it's literally, like I said, There's if, if you were ever on the fence, now is the time to really get into it. Yeah. Now's, the, now's the perfect time to really get in on it. Plus, the bundle's a pretty good deal, at least as of the time of this writing. It's like all the previous DLC content plus the expansion and one game bundle for like $50, $60 depending on what system you're in. Yeah, it's a much better dollar value now as well than it was a year ago. Yeah, where it was Just a for what you're getting. <laughs> to say the least? Yeah, to say the least, but you're getting a much better value bang for your buck out of the game now yes. than you were then. So for somebody like me who didn't actually get into it yet, probably a good deal. If I wanted the rest of my life to be taken over by Destiny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just recommend to have friends. Have friends to take the dive with you. It's, yeah. It makes the experience so much better. 
because if you're playing by yourself, it's a bit of a hassle. It's just not quite as much fun, but the same could be said for a lot of games, so... Yeah, so... That's not necessarily a indictment on it. So, recommendation, if you have friends, buy it. I would just say buy it in general. It's it's actually pretty easy to make friends. Yeah. I, th- I think pretty much everybody recommends Destiny now. As of, you know, last year it wasn't so much of a thing, but now it is, nope. so... Yeah, it's much better now than it was then. Right. Now's the time to get in. Alright, so that's a recommend. Alright, uh, Fallout 4. Have you played it? My game of the year. Okay, there we go. And, uh, <laughs> I know that Josh Collar's playing it among a million other people. Well, millions and millions of other people <laughs> playing it right now. So, I'm guessing Fallout 4 is the buy it game of the year for a lot of other people who didn't buy Metal Gear Solid 5. Yeah, if, if you had to make a choice, like a lot of people do, like, you know, a lot of people are on a budget, you know, that, that's really what we're here for. We gotta give the people what they want. Yeah. Which is to give them knowledge. Let me lay some knowledge on you. <laughs> if you can only buy one game in the holiday season, Fallout 4 is the game you're gonna want to buy. Hands down. What if you don't like Bethesda games, like me? <laughs> okay, well, if you just have this thing against Bethesda games, then I probably would recommend Metal Gear. Yeah, they always feel clunky to me. Which, uh, you know, I, I know <laughs> a lot of people like the way that the decisions and the open world sort of thing. It just It's not my cup of tea. I like more structure, if you get what I mean. I can understand. Yeah, but if you do like those things, then I think Fallout 4 is the, the antidote for all of your gaming needs. Uh, again, if just coming for me, if you, if you only buy one, buy Fallout. I think most I'm, people have already bought it who are going to buy it. True, this is true. Yeah, because 12 million coffees were shipped, and they made $750 million in the first, like, three days. Yeah, it was crazy. Yeah, so... <laughs> If you were listening to this, you probably already own Fallout 4. You're probably not listening to this because you're probably playing Fallout 4 right now. Yeah, so don't even bother <laughs> listening to us because you're playing Fallout 4. So, yeah, go You're already set. Yeah. You're already set for the holidays. Just don't, do you don't think worry we, about it. We don't even have to describe it because I think the marketing did all that for us. So. Yeah. You know, what's left to say? Just yeah. if, you have, if, you're, if you're playing right now, continue playing. Yeah. If you haven't, go buy it. You'll or, be buy, or buy Metal Gear Solid 5. Depending on your personal preference. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's uh, jump forward to the other other big big game of the season, which is Call of Duty Black Ops Three. So, Andrew, you are the Call of Duty guy. What do you think of Black Ops Three? This is the best Call of Duty we've had in. When did Black When did Black Ops Two come out? Two thousand and twelve. Yeah. So this is the best Call of Duty since then. I so much better than Advanced Warfare and Ghosts. Yes, much better. Okay. And I had a favorable review of Advanced Warfare, and I still think this is a much better game. Huh. So is this the Treyarch one? This is the Treyarch. Okay, this is the Treyarch, because they have three development studios on Call of Duty now. Yep. So um, last year was Sledgehammer Games, and the year before that was Infinity Ward. Infinity Ward, yeah. right. I had to think about that one for a second. <laughs> yeah, because it's not the Infinity Ward that made the first couple no, it's modern warfare. It's most it. of those people were with Sledgehammer, I believe, actually. Wow, that's more confusing. And then it's... some of them went and made Titanfall. Yeah. Well, well, we're not going to get into that, but why yeah. is Black Ops 3 better than the previous two entries? Um, basically, it really just comes down to it being more true to the Call of Duty formula. Um, as, much as, as much as I liked Advanced Warfare and as much as I liked kind of the 
the slight deviation, you know, with the exo movement and with the way it really just kind of affected the game with how high you were able to jump. Yeah. Just things you were able to do. While that was fun in and of itself, it just seems like Treyarch has really perfected the base Call of Duty formula. Now, the movement is still different. You can still wall run, the jump is higher, but I, I think it really came down to map design. Like, they were very clever in how they designed the map so that while while it might get you from point A to point B faster, it doesn't feel like it gives you a competitive advantage to use the powers. Okay. And I think that's the difference. So you would say it's more of a pacing issue and less of a verticality thing. So it kind of keeps the Call of Duty movement speed but doesn't have it so that people are jumping up and down like clowns. Exactly. So, which that, that's is, a good way to put it. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of like a Doom Quake thing, which is okay then or, there, but I'm not sure if it's really a Call of Duty thing to be hopping around like a crazy person. Correct. <laughs> so in terms of the other black... So basically Treyarch has been making these black ops for a while now. Did you try the zombie mode thing? I did, and the new zombie mode is is very good. It's the biggest zombie map to date. It is, it's just huge. Goodness. And it is, it is so much fun. All right. Which, Treyarch has always gotten that right, though. I mean, that's not a surprise. Yeah. Well, they, Black Ops has kind of been consistent in terms of Call of Duty stuff. Yes, it's always been very good. Yeah, I played Black Ops 1 and 2 a little bit. And i got to say, I, I do kind of like that sub-series of the Call of Duty series. <laughs> yeah, so many sub-series now. If you have to stick to one, just stick to Black Ops. Because yeah. Black Ops is always solid. Always very good. Super solid. So I'm guessing this is a buy. I'd, I'd say so. I would say probably not on PC, if I had to say. Mostly because the PC community is pretty small for this kind of game. I was about to say, I've never played a shooter on a PC, so... Yeah. <laughs> Most people on PC are playing other kinds of shooters. Right, you're not playing Call of Duty, probably, if you're, if you're a PC gamer. Yeah, and to, uh, probably to roll back on the Fallout 4 thing, uh, probably you want to play that on PC for mods and stuff later. But if you can't, I, I'm sure any system is pretty much acceptable. Well, Xbox One got the exclusive rights to the mods right out of the box. Oh, yeah, and you got system mods. Wow, totally forgot about that. Yeah. Thank you for reminding me. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> As for uh, Metal Gear Solid Five, as long as you're not playing it on a uh, PS3 or an Xbox 360, you're good to go. Because those versions are really bad. They run at like sub 30 frames per second consistently, which is not what you want. So, short aside here, can they just stop making bad ports of new games? Yeah, I don't know. Like the old console. Why? <laughs> like, like I get it because I, they really, I really understand. It's just a PR move. Because people on the older consoles would get mad if they didn't have a port, but why are you getting mad when they're just making substandard ports anyway? Like it's not like you're getting the full product. Like, yeah, I, well, I think it's because the install base of those systems is still massive by comparison with the new consoles. So you do have to make that compromise a little bit. And it, it is true that MGS Five was originally announced for PS3 and 360, so it actually isn't that much of a stretch, but. Even then, the, the port came out pretty bad. Okay, well, I didn't know it was announced for them initially. Yeah. That's a new piece of information for me. I think it was announced like two or three years ago or something. Well, that make more sense. Yeah. But they kept upgrading the engine, and that's, you know, it always happens like that. 
Okay, a short aside over. I just I had yeah. to bring that up while we were thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> no, but there a lot of these did come out for the older systems, but they're definitely not designed for the older systems in mind. So no, you probably shouldn't buy it for those. No. Yeah. Not worth it. Yeah. Okay. So did you play Minecraft Story Mode? Is because that's on our list. I just I haven't actually played it. Okay, I have a confession. I've really wanted to, but I'm so ridiculously burned out on anything Minecraft that it's just... I can't. Yeah, plus it's a Telltale Adventure game. So, if you like those, I'd assume you'd like this. I can't see why you wouldn't. Because, I mean, they, they that's another developer that just has a set formula that, that they're really good at. Yeah, so you've played The Walking Dead, or you've played the uh, um, Fables thing, Wolf Among Us, there we go. Tales from the Borderlands, Game of Thrones. Goodness, how, how many of these things have they made? <laughs> Are they like the masters at getting the rights to different IPs? Yeah, <laughs> just, man. Just, just, just that list right there is pretty Sam impressive. and Max. Did they, wait, did they make um the Back to the Future ones too? Is that a different company? I can't say for sure. Anyway, they made way too many adventure games. So, But it's, it is that exact same formula, except it's Minecraft related. And yep. Also for children, which most of the games are not for children. <laughs> nope. So this might be your entry. But it has nothing to do with real Minecraft. Just no, not so at all. put that out there. You will not be playing you will not literally be playing Minecraft with a story. That nope. is not what it is. No. <laughs> so I guess I'd recommend it on the strength of their previous work, but that's about it. Yep. I I can be in agreement with that. Alright, Star Wars Battlefront. Everybody's in Star Wars fever, so did you play Battlefront, or do you just have... I have, I have a controversial opinion about this. Okay, so have you played the previous Battlefronts before yes. this reboot? And I'm guessing you like those better than this. I, I've been out on the new Battlefront for the sole reason that it just it screamed to me that Battlefront 2, which was out for the Xbox One, which is the system that I had it on back in the day, I felt like that game had more features than the new game. Of course it does, because we can sell you DLC. Yeah, right. And so you're going to pay $60 out of the box for this game, and then what is it, like another 70 for the season pass? Yeah, I saw that. That's that's pretty crazy. Just, no. And they'll probably sell you in, like, Battlefront 2 next fall. Yeah, so... Yeah. And I, then I, people will be angry. I, I've, been out. I've been out on this game, like, ever since all that kind of came out of the open. Ooh. You know what? I don't think the license is enough for me to fully say, like, you should just go buy this. No. Because it's literally just Battlefield with a, a sheen of Star Wars on top. Yeah, I mean, and I I played just a smidgen of the beta, like, just enough to, like, really convince myself that this was not a game to play. <laughs> and the gameplay's just bland. Super bland, except for the Star Wars stuff. Like if you're like if you're just somebody who literally just needs Star Wars in your gaming life, I still have games you should probably play before you play this. Yeah, I would say like wait and play a different Star Wars game because there's a I lot. Know. Now, now again, that's probably a controversial opinion because I know plenty of people who are just all over this game, but yeah, not me. Actually, what I'd say from a monetary perspective is to wait for the Battlefront thing to shake out to see whether or not all this season pass stuff is really worth it because you know that they're going to come out with a game of the year edition in a few months. That'll be 
probably like half of what you paid for it, and you'll get everything anyway. Yeah, but if you must, you just die to have Star Wars things, which apparently is a thing because, man, theaters are sold out everywhere for weeks on end. Then uh, I guess buy Battlefront. That would be the only reason, and even then, I listen. There are better games you could buy for a lot cheaper. Yeah, and I would also recommend not buying it on Origin unless you want to spend like forever trying to download it. Because that's the only way you're going to play it on PC, and it's probably going to be super annoying for you, so... <laughs> yeah, so that's us on Battlefront. We're, yeah. we're cynical haters. Yeah, we're probably not the two people to talk about Star's Battlefront on a holiday podcast, but... <laughs> oh, well. It is what it is. We're yeah, here. It is what it is. We're just going to roll with it. Uh, okay, so Just Cause 3. Did you play Just Cause 1 or 2? I haven't. I played Just Cause 2... It's basically GTA with more upward mobility, parachutes, planes, and explosions. Uh, I can understand that, speaking my language. Yeah, I'm, so like GTA <laughs> is kind of more grounded, realistically, I think. Uh, I mean a little bit. Like GTA 5, it has unrealistic physics, but Just Cause has like the most unrealistic physics of anything. It's like... It's almost like a cartoonish version of, of Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, pretty like, much. Like, you just have a physics work, not necessarily. Yeah, and they throw you on some kind of, like, third world country, island, whatever, dictatorship, and you just, like, blow everything up. Plus, you have a grappling hook. So it sounds like a kind of a mix between Grand Theft Auto and Far Cry. Yeah, and you can uh, grapple onto planes and then, like, follow them and then just shoot them out of the air and, you know... Die wow. wherever you want. It's it's a very strange looking game. It's a very strange game, and I believe it has a giant multiplayer mode too. Oh. But anyway, I have no idea about anything about Just Cause Three because I didn't even know it was coming out this year. I I didn't know what it was from what I saw it. So we're we're ill equipped. Yeah. So, <laughs> but I am gonna say that Just Cause is really fun, and if you like that kind of GTA cause your own mayhem sort of thing, you'll probably enjoy it. Just Cause. Yeah, just cause. Yeah, just cause. <laughs> I had sorry, I had to say that. No, you had to. You really. It just, I had to. <laughs> All right. Uh, tentative recommendation. I have no idea whether this one will be as good as Just Cause Two was, but I'm gonna say probably. I'm contractually obligated to say probably. So yeah. <laughs> well, I mean the the was it Just Cause Two came out in like 2010 or something. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since they came out with a new with And a its new community title. made a, a multiplayer mod that like supported hundreds of people at once, just blowing everything up. And that that was, sounds fun. Yeah, and it was kind of the inspiration for like GTA Online when it came out in 5. So this is basically like the community kept this game alive, and they made a Just Cause 3, probably. So, yeah. there you go. Interesting little tidbits. Learn something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> All right, on to Rainbow Six Siege. Is this like the earlier Rainbow Six games or the newer ones? Uh, well, it's not out yet. We're we're kind of in the territory of, of a game that hasn't come out yet. Yeah, um, it's. I know it's a multiplayer shooter. I think it is. Okay, because it's team based. Basically, the way the game works is unlike previous. Like, let's just imagine Rainbow Six Vegas two for a second, where you have two teams, and it's kind of like Call of Duty and Gears War, like kind of a hybrid, where you just kind of, it's deathmatch, but you have different physics and stuff like that. Well, this is a little bit different, because the way it works is, you have a team of, for lack of a better word, bad guys, 
who have hostages and who have kind of boarded up themselves in a house. And you have the team, like the SWAT team on the other side, who's trying to break in and save the hostages or eliminate all the hostiles. Huh. That seems interesting. It's a very interesting concept. And knowing just knowing Rainbow Six from having played you know, previous installments and stuff, and with the way their physics engines have always worked, and with the way the mechanics have always worked with cover and... With all the gadgets you're gonna, you know, first they're for sure gonna have the Rainbow Six gadgets, like the, you know, cameras that go under the doors and stuff like that. Yeah, neat. I'm really excited for this game. Huh. You know, now you've made me interested in it because you know what, I do like Tom Clancy games for the most part. I do. Yeah, I do too. It's weird. I don't know why, but they're usually very solid. Except I, I never cared much for the Ghost Recon series. Do you mean the like Advanced Warfare sort of thing, or the earlier ones? Oh well, any of them. I haven't really enjoyed any of them. You but. should try Advanced Warfare on the 360. It's actually really good. It's just it's kind of old hat at this point, but it's actually pretty decent. Hmm. It's a, I have it. Very downloaded it. Yeah. It's just a very slow paced like cover based third person shooter. Okay. That's how I, that, I, that I like to think of it. Like, if you pop out of cover, you'll just die. Hmm. So it's mostly a matter of, like, figuring out the right vantage points to shooting things. All right. Well, Rainbow Six always kind of worked the same way. Yeah, pretty much. So so this game is similar to that? I'm guessing people die really quickly if they get shot. <laughs> right. It, it, it'll work the same way. It's like Counter-Strike except with SWAT teams. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, a little bit. I, like I said, I'm really excited. I'm all in on any Rainbow Six title. Huh. Okay. So this is... I would guess we're going to call this a tentative recommendation based on Rainbow Six in the past. And also... I personally will go above tentative. I I would just straight up recommend it to people. All right. Recommended then. (laughs) We'll just go for it. All right. What's next? Assassin's Creed Syndicate. A lot of people were talking about it when it came out and said it was pretty good. I haven't personally played it. You're not much of an Assassin's Creed person? I tried playing through the original games, like, long after they came out, and I played... Well, I played one as it came out. Oh, you played the first I, one. <laughs> and then I played... I love the first one, actually. I thought the first really? one was really good. Yeah. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so then I took a break for a while, right? I didn't play Assassin's Creed for a while. Now, by the time I would jump back in, Assassin's Creed 3 had come out, and so I played Assassin's Creed 2, but I never made it through... Whatever the next one was, Brotherhood. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really like that one either. But two is kind of the highlight of the series, which says a lot. <laughs> yeah, since then they haven't done a great job, and especially with Unity last year, which was just this mess of like glitches and craziness. So this year, people said this one's decent. Haven't played it. Don't know. <laughs> I-, I think this is one of those. Like there are just certain IPs that. If you enjoy it, you should buy it because you'll like it. But if you don't, just skip it. Yeah, I played like five in a row one year, and I think I'm really like done with Assassin's Creed for the rest of my life. So <laughs> I I would give it a recommendation, but I know it plays like exactly the same as every other one with just minor variations. So if you like Victorian England Assassin's Creed, go ahead, buy it, I guess. Yep. If you, if you like the formula, you like it. Buy yeah. it. There you go. Otherwise, no, I wouldn't, wouldn't yeah. go there. Although you do get to beat people with your fists, which I guess is an addition. Or like a cane or something. <laughs> and top hats! Top hats, <laughs> make, top hats make everything better. That's your thing. 
<laughs> That's your thing. Go for it. Yeah. Full power to you. <laughs> All right. Moving on, we are going to talk about interactive game figure games. <laughs> yeah, that we don't have a better word for it. They need to come up with a better term yeah. for this. Like, There needs to be like a special term for these they're, games. They're interactive game figures, I guess, is, but they're like NFC near-field communication figurines. It's weird. Anyway. So we need we need a gaming czar who <laughs> is in charge of all this and who can just come up with better names for things. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> so, this is just terrible. So for those who are not in the know, interactive game figures are the little figurines you place on either portals or little things that are attached to your game system and that figure pops into your game as a playable character. Now, the first franchise that like did this big was uh, Skylanders, which you may have heard of because it's like gigantic now. So in the past like five years, it's been five Skylanders, and there was one this year that was Skylanders Superchargers. And then there's also Disney has their own, which is called Infinity, and you place the figures on, and you it's more of a toy than it is a game. Because, I mean, there are, like, preset campaigns and things like that. But it's really for the, like, creation tool. Where you can just kind of mess around with stuff. And then there's Lego Dimensions, which is probably the weirdest one. Because you're putting Legos in the portal. It's like, why not play with actual Legos? But I guess people kind of like that sort of thing. Anyway. Uh, for the budget conscious among you, know that Skylanders are usually compatible with all games... Uh, that go past their initial release date. So Skylanders is usually the best value out of all of them. And Disney figures don't extend beyond the year in which they are released. So you are just out of luck if you want to use any of your figures, and you may as well sell them off once you're done. And as for Lego, I have no idea. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I don't know about the Lego one either. I know about the other two. Yeah. So in terms of my particular experiences with these franchises, I would say Skylanders is the most solid as a game because it feels like they were focusing on it being a good video game and it just happens to have like an, you know, little figures that you put on a stand. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's gonna really be based on personal preference on this point. Yeah, I, I think we should probably branch out and say, or at least I will, that if you're a family gamer, if you're somebody who has, like, small children and you want something that you're going to want to play with them, I think this is probably your category. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you're going to want to be looking here. And, again, it's really just going to come down to, is your kid a huge Disney fanatic? You know, is Skylander something your kids could enjoy? Are you huge Lego fans? Yeah. I, I mean, I, it really is just going to come down to personal preference. If I was a kid, I would go, like, wild over this stuff. <laughs> oh, I would, too. I'm really lucky that I'm old enough to kind of resist that. To not do that. Well, too bad. Zachary <laughs> bought a whole lot of Skylanders. Probably more than he should have. But, um, yeah. So you could... Adults can get into it. Just don't expect anything that's, like, super challenging or anything like that. It's just, like, a fun game. Actually, Skylanders reminds me a little bit of, like, kid-friendly Diablo, if that makes any sense. No, I, I've played a little bit of Skylanders. That's a pretty apt comparison. Yeah. So, uh, if you want to play Diablo with your kids... Play Skylanders. Just play Skylanders instead. Yeah. A lot less gory. So I'd say my feelings kind of tend towards Skylanders because of the game element, but uh, it's mostly going to depend on your franchise of choice. 
Yep. It's just going to come down to which one you like better than the other one. But it, but if you're a parent with a kid who you want to play something with your kid, like one of these three is going to probably be what you're going to want to look at. Yeah. And if you're uh, if you're a parent on a budget, I'd say Skylanders is probably your best bet. Yeah, so you can just continue using your figures without having to buy new ones every year. If you don't want to hate yourself because you buy a Disney Infinity 2.0 figure for Disney Infinity 3.0 and then they're not compatible and then, oh, man, what a mess. Anyway, Anyway, moving on. Uh, Music games have been revived this year with the release of Rockman 4 and Guitar Hero Live. So, Andrew, you like both, I'm guessing. I do, but for different reasons. Okay, so I know that the Guitar Hero Live gimmick is that a live audience watches you. Is this an actual live audience, or am I, like, crazy? Now that I'm not sure. Because <laughs> I heard That's... something like that, but I'm not sure if it's, like, like a recorded fake audience, or if it's actually a real live audience. I mean, I don't know how you would even implement a real live audience. Yeah, I mean, my understanding confusing. was just kind of like an actual, like a recorded live audience was my understanding of it. Yeah, that would that seems more reasonable. <laughs> but I mean, here here's my thing with the music games. I've always liked I've always liked them both, but again for different reasons. I've always liked Rock Band's screen presentation better. Huh. In other words, like if if you really care about what say like your created person looks like, yeah. if you really care about how the stage like the lighting and how like your band is being presented while you're playing if that's really important to you rock band's probably the one you're going to want to go with because rock band really goes out of their way to do a really good presentation style it's like it seems really important to them that when you're watching kind of in the background as you're playing you know kind of in the background you can see your person playing to know that that looks really cool and really nice yeah you're making me want to play rock band now (laughs) It's really good. But Guitar Hero has always been so much more focused on the actual, literal playing the music. Yeah. I and so the, me- the mechanic of the actual, like, you know, playing the music on the screen and stuff is always a little bit better on Guitar Hero. Um, the set lists, depending on your taste, Guitar Hero usually tends to be more of the, of the rock genre. So, like, heavy metal, you know, 80s metal you know, new wave rock, alternative rock. Rock band tends to kind of branch out a little bit more. You might get, you know, you'll get like Journey, you'll get kind of new wave pop stuff. Um, huh. Go So like musically, they also kind of differ in their set lists. So it's really just going to come down. Again, it's another one of those perfect uh, personal preference kind of categories. I don't think one is categorically just a better game than the other. Hmm. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Rock Band's better than Guitar Hero or vice versa. Now, I know one thing. I know that if you owned previous Rock Bands and Rock Band songs, you can actually convert them into Rock Band 4 songs. Right. So and I'm glad you brought that up. The I, entire yeah. set list of whatever you bought for DLC, whatever is attached to your account of choice, is compatible with Rock Band 4. Which was a really good move. Yeah. In Guitar Hero, all the DLC for that was eliminated when they decided to kill the franchise off like four years ago, and now they've revived it, so none of that stuff applies. Yeah, that was just a... I think it must be a whole like podcast in and of itself. What happened with all that? Yeah, so I kind of lost all that DLC I bought for Guitar Hero, but I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter. <laughs> not bitter at all. No. Uh, but also, just... 
as an aside, this is a weird aside for me. I like rock here. I like Guitar Hero more for the um, guitar parts. I know, like that seems kind of obvious, but the hit detection on the uh, frets is a little looser because they want you to press a lot more of the frets to kind of simulate actual guitar playing. But uh, Rock Band 4 is a lot more... Rock Band always seemed to me to be a lot more precise, and I think that's just because Harmonix likes it that way. Plus, the drum parts are pretty much, on expert, are accurate to actual drum playing. Oh, yeah. As so, an actual drum player in real life, I can, I can attest to that. Yeah, it's pretty it's pretty close to the letter with kick pedals and everything, but yeah. they're the actual equipment is easy to break (laughs) very easy yeah so yeah i think this comes down to personal preference but if you have a hankering to play some more rock band or guitar hero since they seem to just like all but died off like five years ago then uh you know i'd say go for either one yeah it's, it's just a personal preference at this point yeah they're not really that differentiated anymore no especially after what was the Guitar Hero World Tour wasn't one where they introduced the other instruments. Yeah, so yeah. it's not really so. A- after that, after that, they're really not that much different. Now, before that, Guitar Hero was always strictly guitar. Yeah, uh, here Legends Legends of Rock or whatever. Yeah, something like that. <laughs> That's the one with the Dragon Force song, which was awesome. Yeah, it's great. It's so good. Yeah, your fingers will hate you. Anyway off to PlayStation 4 games. You don't own a PlayStation 4, I don't own a PlayStation 4, but you do own a PS3, so Dragon Quest Heroes is Dynasty Warriors with a Dragon Quest coat of paint. So, I think that's all I really need to say about that. (laughs) If you like that kind of game, you'll like it. I've actually heard it's really good as an action RPG, so I've heard mixed reports about that but it's also coming out for pc at some point in the near distant future so i probably will play it then but if you like dragon quest i'd say go for it yep all right on to the uncharted nathan drake collection so you have played uncharted on the original ps3 i'm guessing i've played uncharted 2 it's the only one i've played because i picked it up cheap and that's the one that people say is the best one Yep, it was very good. Yeah, the campaign's pretty pretty darn awesome. Having played the first one and the second one, but not the third one, I'd say the second one is slightly better. So, if you've never played any of the Uncharted's, I would say this is pretty good if you happen to have a PS4. Yeah, I mean, the collections in general tend to be a good monetary value, just based off what you're getting. Yeah, but I'd say it's pretty unlikely that people didn't play Uncharted. <laughs> that seems like weird to me. Yeah, if, if you've been a long-time PlayStation fan, you've, you've probably played Uncharted. Yeah, and even right now you could seriously go to GameStop and pick <coughs> up all three of them on PS3 for like $10. Yeah, easily. Like, in, in a PS3 for like 80 So if you really wanted to play these games, you could buy them all like dirt cheap. If, you know, I don't know. If that was your thing. Yeah, but and they're probably are they updating like frame rates or anything? They updated like the uh, anti-aliasing and like little things like that. But the games already ran like pretty much at a consistent frame rate throughout, so it's not like a huge visual improvement. Okay, you know what I mean? It's not like the, the jump yeah. between PS2 and PS3. It's more like kind of a nuanced, like oh, this looks slightly better sort of thing. 
Mm, okay. Yeah. That, I mean, that's how I would say it. Also, I believe that the Nathan Drake collection games don't have any of the multiplayer stuff. Yeah, they probably learned their lesson from Master Chief. Yeah, so you don't get you get you don't get nothing. You do get a beta invite to the Uncharted Four multiplayer or something. But that's interesting. Yeah, but I, I guess that's it. So I would say that's this is really going to depend on whether or not you happen to actually already have a PS4 and you haven't played Uncharted, which both seem unlikely. Yeah, if, yeah, both seem pretty unlikely. Yeah, and if you happen to own a PS4 and you haven't played any of the Uncharted games, why not just buy a PS3 with its giant, massive library of games along with the Uncharted series? <laughs> right. <laughs> Alright, so weird Japanese stuff. Um, <laughs> Persona 4 dancing all night. Oh, we're in your territory here, my friend. Yeah, well, you know what? I don't <laughs> even have a Vita, so I can't really say much about this one. Other than that, it is a weird dancing rhythm game. You know, like, they used to have those DDR kind of games back in the day. I actually played DDR the other day. Was it good? <laughs> it was. It's fun. Like that game is never not fun. Because yeah. I was at this. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a youth pastor, obviously. So we were doing this lock in <laughs> at at the, this arcade place in Jacksonville, and they had DDR. Yeah, DDR will get you in shape. That's for sure. Yeah, it's a great workout. <laughs> So, uh, Persona 4 Dancing All Night. It's a rhythm game that takes place on the Vita, and uh, if you're familiar with the more recent Persona games, then the characters from that game are in it. So, to put it bluntly, it's basically uh, Shin Megami Tensei fan service. And uh, if you happen to like that series, and you happen to like the recent fighting game, or the other like Mysterious Dungeon kind of roguelike game that came out a couple months ago what's that it's like called persona q shadow of labyrinth or something yeah yeah no, just to... yeah and so like that's like a crossover this is kind of like a crossover of persona people so except it's a rhythm dance game <laughs> <laughs> so whether or not you're gonna like this is really up to whether or not you actually liked persona 3 or 4 and you liked it enough that you want to play a dance and rhythm game with the characters from those games God, Japanese people are so weird. Which seems like a really niche audience. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's like super, super niche. And uh, I know that. Uh, what is it? Is it Justin Fox's wife? If you've ever listened to this podcast, you know Justin Fox is the developer of Release. His wife is playing it right now and she loves it. So, but she loves yeah. the Persona games. So, gotcha. Personally, in my opinion, I just wait for Persona 5 to come out early next year and save yourself the hassle of playing a weird dance rhythm game, but to each his own. God, who comes up with these ideas? <laughs> Japan's awesome. It's awesome. They That's must just... have like they must have ridiculous like marketing research departments to have to have something like with such a niche audience like that. Well, it's not niche like <laughs> over there, but it is kind of niche here. Like Persona is like big enough to be on like billboards and like train stations and stuff so persona is pretty big just uh this this kind of thing is very niche in terms of yeah. the western market yeah we're just on the wrong side of the ocean yeah <laughs> the, we're the wrong place all right so tentative recommendation it really is really dependent on whether or not you liked the other persona games not one and two three and four. anyway next uh tales of zestiria i hope i'm pronouncing that right uh Tales is the most consistent Japanese role-playing game series there is. Uh, it's always the almost exact same plot. Everybody's like, you know, save the world kind of stuff. 
it's very very traditional but the battle system is all real-time active combo based stuff and it's usually super duper awesome the big difference here is that this one's open world so when you see an enemy on the field and you encounter it you immediately go into like battle mode on wherever you were so was the previous title tales of vesperia uh the previous title was tales uh at least in the west it was tales of exilia 2 Vesperia, I think, came out in 2008. Okay, I just I didn't know if that was the same thing or not. That was something I just remember seeing it on my dashboard. Yeah, it's kind of like Final Fantasy, but they all take place in separate universes. Because I think I think that might have been Vesperia might have been a free game one month or something. Yeah, if it was, uh, Vesperia is really great. It yeah, might be on my hard drive. I might have to play that. <laughs> Yeah, well, if you don't like the Japanese storytelling thing, it's not going to really work for you, but I actually found it really good, and I played it multiplayer, so that's one of those weird benefits of playing Tales games, is the battle system is, like, four people, and you can actually have, like, three other people play the battles with you. Oh, that's interesting. Which makes them much more interesting and complex. Anyway, uh, people know Tales, know Tales, and usually buy it, and people don't usually don't like the storytelling aspect, but I tend to be in the latter camp. So, but it, I would say that if you do want to play it, you probably want to play it on PC because somebody actually unlocked it to play at 60 frames per second and not 30 locked. So, oh, yeah. So, a anyway. huge difference. Yeah, that is a huge difference. So, yeah, I'd say that's a buy if you're into this sort of thing. Another quick aside: why do, why do people lock games at 30 frames? I don't know. It's we're in the year 2015. <laughs> it bothers me, especially if the game is like not tied to 30 frames and could run at that but they just lock it arbitrarily Ugh, yeah just, just mystifying mystifying just don't understand developers put it at 60 just do us all a favor okay anyway <laughs> to xbox one things uh halo 5 guardians you own an xbox one so you may or may not own this Oh, I own it. Okay. Um, <laughs> since this seems to be like one of the... We've covered so many first-person shooters. Why would I want this over, let's say, Destiny or Call of Duty Black Ops 3 or whatever else? Okay. The biggest difference between Halo and other first-person shooters really comes down to Time to Kill, which is a, a acronym we usually use, TTK. Huh. Um, and so Call of Duty is a very fast time to kill game. In other words, you know, it doesn't take but just a couple bullets for somebody in multiplayer to kill you. Um, it doesn't take more than like a couple bullets in the campaign to kill enemy. Um, that's just kind of the way it works. Um, Destiny is kind of in this weird middle ground where it really just depends on the range you're at and what weapon type you're using. It can be a very fast time to kill. It can be a longer, a slightly longer time to kill. Um, Destiny's kind of in a weird middle ground, but Halo is the king of long time to kill first person shooters. Like it, it takes a significant amount of ammunition from basically anything except, you know, like a high power sniper rifle or something huh. to kill an enemy in multiplayer and in the campaign. Now, on the surface that sounds awful, but really what it promotes is a much more it's, it's much more strategic in nature because you do have that longer... You really have to place yourself in a good position in order to kind of get the fastest, most efficient uh, kill. And it's also, as far as the multiplayer is concerned, is something that's a lot more friendly to people 
who may not be the best at first-person shooters, who may need that extra second, who may need that extra second and a half, you know, to be able to react and actually, you know, kind of engage in a gunfight. And so it tends to be a much more, um, you know, younger audiences tend to tend to be better at Halo, you know, because they haven't quite developed, you know, that skill set of having done it for a while, or just people in general who don't, who wouldn't normally enjoy first-person shooters because they're not quote-unquote good at them. Halo is generally something that they can be good at because you can just you can quite literally stay alive longer even if someone is shooting at you. Wow, I actually had never really thought of it that way. <laughs> you can tell I put a lot of thought into it. That was insightful. Thank you. <laughs> huh. You gotta give the people what they want. Yeah, no, no, seriously, I just because I'm I'm thinking why people would play Halo instead of these other first-person shooters, and I, I think it does come down in some way to the the pacing of the game is a lot different. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's a very different feel. In that as far also, as how it works. That also lends to the fact that they have the cooperative campaign stuff. Right. Um, it definitely has a more, and they actually added something in this too, where Halo campaigns have never been more than two people. Yeah. Um, on release now, I mean, Master Chief Collection could too far, but that's kind of a whole other thing in of itself. Um, but Halo 5, right out of the box, you can play four people huh. in co-op all the way through the campaign. That's right. Really cool. um, and they also added a new mechanic where, usually in previous Halo games, if one of your... If somebody died, it usually sent you back to the last checkpoint. Like, it was kind of like... It was kind of as, as if you both died. But they added a mechanic in Halo 5 where if you die, like your health goes to zero, it actually just locks up your armor. Huh. And so, if an ally gets there in time, you know, there's a short time limit. And if they get there in time, they can kind of unlock you and you're back up and you're, you know, raring to go. Oh, okay. So, like, subtle things. Yeah, just subtle things like that. Okay, so I would guess that if you enjoyed previous Halo games, you'd like this one. Yes, this is very much a return to form. Halo 4 kind of... Halo 4 tweaked with the formula, I think, a little too much for long for many long-term Halo fans and so 4 kind of turned a lot of them off but it was amazing it's like when Halo 5 came out I, I happened to hop on Twitch and so many of the old hats from the professional community huh. came back you know and as somebody who actually not to toot my own horn but kind of played semi-professionally in Halo back in the day <laughs> and actually still I actually do still I'm in Onyx Division in at least one playlist oh, wow okay. so but it's just, it's nice. It's nice seeing a lot of everybody kind of come back because it kind of returned to form. So they did they get rid of the sprint button and the, like, Call of Duty kind of things from Halo 4? Because that's no, how it felt when I played it. They didn't They didn't take sprint out, but they they tuned it. They tuned it and gave it more of a smooth Halo feel instead of a, a rushed, super fast Call of Duty feel. Okay, good. And that's really hard to articulate. But. No, no, no. It's a, That's kind of a game feel thing. Yeah, like the original in Halo Four, it doesn't like feel like Halo. It feels like I'm playing Call of Duty inside of Halo. Right. <laughs> well, they, well, they tweak that and fix that, so yeah. it's it's really good. And the weird floaty jump thing and the stuff like that. Yep. All right, so I'm gonna guess that's a recommendation. If you liked Halo in the past, and if you want to actually jump into first person shooters, I'd say this is a good bet. Yeah, this it's a good one to jump into for sure. Yeah, assuming you own an Xbox One anyway. <laughs> Alright, so, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Did you play the Tomb Raider reboot? 
It's on my hard drive, but I haven't played it yet. I've played enough of it, probably about three-fourths, to say that it's a very solid game in the vein of Uncharted. Okay. And I would say it's probably a little more focused on combat and fluidity than Uncharted is. Because Uncharted has a lot of that cover-based thing, but it's very, like, static. Like, I'm either on a wall or not on a wall. Whereas Tomb Raider's a lot more fluid with the... There's not really a distinct, quote-unquote, cover system. It's more very, very fast-paced in that sort of way. And, uh, you know, the climbing and jumping is more Prince of Persia, but I think that's always kind of been a Tomb Raider thing. Anyway, I would assume the sequel is just as good as that one. So I'd say if you happen to own an Xbox One, this is going to be exclusive to your system for the next six months, and I would say jump on that. I'm glad you answered that. I was, I was going to ask if it was simply a timed exclusive. Yeah, it's just timed, but uh, that's kind of enough sometimes. Right. Yep. So I would say recommendation on that one. Yep. Because it's like you're Uncharted if you happen to be an Xbox One owner. <laughs> Makes it simple. I like it. <laughs> yeah. All right. On to uh, Wii U thingamajigs. Uh, what few there are. Yeah, the Wii U Slim Pickens. Uh, for whatever reason, they delayed Star Fox Zero, which is made by Platinum Games, which made Bayonetta, among other things, etc., etc. This reminds me that Transformers Devastation came out, which is also made by Platinum Games, and I would say buy that, because Platinum Games. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, to return to the Wii U list, uh, the things that are coming out, or did already come out, uh, first, Super Mario Maker, Maker of Mario levels. Seems kind of self-explanatory. But in terms of it being a game to play, I would say it's more of a tool for creative expression. At least from the kind of levels I've seen people make. So if you like the idea of playing other people's Mario levels and kind of like messing around in an editor and stuff, this might be up your alley. But if you like to just play Mario games like I do, it's not really worth it. Yeah, it... Yeah. (laughs) You kind of brought up something about this game that I I thought was interesting because you you kind of made the point it's almost almost more of a toy than a game. Yeah, and that's why I was like looking at it, I'm like, $60 for kind of a toy is not really what I want from a Mario game. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's an interesting concept. I, I, I think it's probably... Like really well done and really good because like most Mario games are really well done and really really good. But I definitely think it's it's a particular audience. It's another one of those things where like there's a particular kind of person who has played Super Mario his whole life and said, "My God, I really want to make my own levels." Yeah. And yeah, so this game like came out and they're just like losing it. Like, oh my God, I can finally make my own levels. This is amazing. Yeah, and it seems like people are doing a lot of, like, cool stuff with it, like making levels that almost, like, play themselves sort of things. Like, without any... Yeah, movement. yeah, I've seen some cool stuff that people have done. Yeah, and uh, there there's also some dramatic narratives that people have made, which are pretty hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> like, will you save your son? You should go look that one up. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, Super Mario Maker, I would say there's a certain audience for it. And it's the same audience that really likes Little Big Planet, but I really hated Little Big Planet, like with a passion. So <laughs> I am not in the audience for Super Mario Maker. Full yeah. disclosure, yeah. he really hated uh, Little Big Planet. But I might like Super Mario Maker because the physics are right. But Little Big Planets, like jump physics, are just awful. I'll just throw this out here because this is one of the games that has me 
this is one of the games that makes me have this opinion. I'm actually really glad Nintendo's doing another console because it'll make Wii U cheaper, and I've wanted a Wii U so badly for numerous games. I believe right now, as of the time of saying this, that they have a bundle for the Wii U that's going to be... I guess you get Splatoon, and you get Mario Kart 8 and the system in Nintendo Land for, like, $249. So That's not bad. It's getting in the range of uh, cheap gaming, but <laughs> not quite here there yet. And uh, for those of you who are curious, I believe you can buy pre-owned, refurbished, right from Nintendo for 200 which is what I did with my Wii U. I have to look into that. Yeah. Have we, have we done a podcast about the Wii U? Uh, specifically about the Wii U? No. Because I don't know many people who actually own one. <laughs> we, we need to do that. I, I, have, I have a really, I think, an intelligent opinion on the Wii U. And I, I, need, I need an outlet. Even though you don't own one? Even though I don't own one, but I, I've played one a lot, though, because I, I have numerous people I know in my life who have it. Ah, so, okay. Well, we should do a future podcast on that. Probably. Yeah, not we need to schedule that. that. We need to schedule yeah. that. That's a good idea. All right. Uh, what else came out? Oh, Yoshi's Woolly World. Okay, so this was weird for me. Um, for whatever reason, in this came out in June in Europe. What was with the delay? I don't know. But, um, yeah, so I was looking forward to it coming out, and then I was like, why is this... Wait, is it coming out? Because there were reviews and Metacritic and everything, and I looked, and I'm like, wait, this isn't even out here in the U.S., but it's localized and everything. What gives? And it came out in October. Anyway, besides that, that was probably the reason why I haven't bought it yet. (laughs) Because I was kind of, like, angry at Nintendo for not actually releasing it. But anyway. So, have you played uh, Yoshi's Island? The, like, SNES game? By any chance? Uh, yes, I have. Okay, so this game is pretty much identical to that. Really? Yeah, except it's kind of like an enhanced, like, redone version. With all sorts of new gimmicks and stage design and stuff. So, I'm gonna say it's probably really solid. I mean... Has Nintendo ever made a bad Yoshi game? No. Actually, they haven't. Maybe Yoshi's Cookies or something. I don't know. I was about to say, I don't know if they've ever made a bad Yoshi game. Yeah, I don't think they have. So yeah, Yoshi's Island is one of the best platformers of all time, so to be kind of a pseudo-sequel to it is probably a good thing. (laughs) Yeah, probably. (laughs) Yeah. And the whole yarn aesthetic is just like, makes you just want to say, aww, over and over again. But... (laughs) What's with that? Yeah, uh, well, they had the Kirby yarn thing, and they had this Yoshi yarn thing, so... You know, it's neat. It's differentiated. It's cool. And, uh, you know, this game is, like, $10 below normal retail prices, I think. Start at, like, 50 Oh, that's nice. Yeah, so if you happen to own a Wii U, and do you like Mario games, or Yoshi games in specific, I'd say this is probably an unequivocal recommendation... <laughs> I'm just recommending off the basis that they never made a bad Yoshi game. Yeah, there you go. Or maybe Yoshi's story's bad. I'm not sure. Uh, this, that might be the only one I haven't played. I'll have to think about that one. I think you can get that on a virtual console, though, so... <laughs> 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 Alright, on to Mario Tennis Ultra Smash, which, which, for whatever reason, you can't pre-order on Amazon, as I found, but, uh... Mario Tennis is Mario Tennis, and Mario Tennis is awesome, so... Yes, it is. I cannot imagine this being bad. <laughs> you will probably lose friendships over this game. <laughs> yeah. 
If you don't happen to own the other Mario Tennises, including the re-release of the GameCube one on the Wii, which would be backwards compatible on the Wii U, wow, that was a really confusing sentence, uh, yeah, you probably will want to pick this up, especially if you got three other people to play it with. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> yeah, so I would say, yeah, Ultra Smash deserves your money. Man, I really need to get this for my youth group. Look, I keep just... You know what? I'm just going to keep mentioning Wii U games, and you'll buy them all. Yeah, you're, you're going to end up like selling me a Wii U. <laughs> you should be like a Nintendo rep, because you're going to make me buy a Wii U. Yeah, I got a bunch of Wii U games sitting right next to me right now. <laughs> I'm looking at them. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, Devil's Third. Okay, this is another weird one. This is another one where it comes out in September or August in Europe, and doesn't get released until early December here. So, have you even heard of this game? No. <laughs> okay, so the it was the next game that was being made by the guy who started the new Ninja Gaiden series. Okay. Yeah, what's his name? Tomonobu Itagaki, that's his real name. Yeah. Anyway, he's the guy with the long hair and the sunglasses, and he says he hates tech a lot. But, <laughs> I don't know, because he's like, uh, you know, Dead or Alive's the best fighting game series, because yeah. I make it. Uh, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> They announced this game, like, in 2010, and it looks cool, and then, like, it disappeared, and then this game has gone through about three different game engines, and it's trying to be a combination of uh, first-person shooting or third-person shooting plus, like, the action combat of Ninja Gaiden, if that makes any okay. sense. Okay. And in that sense, the reviews tell me that this game did not achieve that objective. I mean, we don't we pretty much already have like a pretty established record of like games that go through multiple engines and built that that long of development. Do they ever turn out good? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I honestly can't think of one off the top of my head. Like Duke Nukem Forever, not so much. Yeah. It's just I feel like we've heard this story before and it just never turns out well. Yeah. I've heard that this game is like really janky and weird. It just sounds like it, just for the way you describe it. Yeah, just just describing it makes it sound awful. And uh, I guess there's all sorts of problems with it and it's just it's weird. Anyway, I'm really interested in actually playing it to see how bad it actually is. <laughs> That's which a is weird reason to want to play a game. Well, I mean, it is a Wii U exclusive, and I'm sure there's some redeeming qualities to it, or it's just that the reviewers didn't know how to play it, because, you know, you never know. But uh, I would say don't buy this at full price, because no. it's something that Nintendo definitely shuffled off to early December so that no one would remember it existed. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to say don't buy it now, but buy it later, because you'll want to at least try it out. And, and also, as a random aside... There is a game called Killer is Dead, which you may have heard of. I have heard of it. It does the same thing that this game tried to do, but it actually does it well. Actually accomplishes objectives. Yeah, so it has like the third person action <coughs> flashing thing, right? But it mm -hmm. also has if you like hold on to like the left trigger, it goes into a me third person shooter. Okay. And you can actually aim and shoot at projectile enemies and it's part of the combat system. But like it's fluid. It actually works there. So, oh, that sounds interesting. Yeah, so uh, if if you actually want to play a game like Devil's Third and not pay, like, $60 for a piece of crap, <laughs> then, uh, yeah, I would say try Killer is Dead because that game's really cheap, too. 
Especially on PC, where it regularly goes on sale for about, like, $4. So. Anyway, weird recommendation, but anyway. Moving on. Xenoblade Chronicles X. Did you play the original Xenoblade Chronicles? No, I didn't. And that's probably because it was enormously expensive, and it still is right now, because it was a late Wii release, and it was a GameStop exclusive. Which means that price gouge. But, uh, what? How did that end up happening? Uh, yeah, well, there was this weird period where Nintendo was like, we're not going to localize any of these obscure Japanese RPGs for the Wii. And there was this big outcry. And eventually they did. And so all the people in the game had British accents. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of those weird things. But anyway, Xenoblade Chronicles is like a third-person, like open world JRPG which sounds like it makes no sense whatsoever but it works okay yeah it has all sorts of interesting strategies and it's by the guy that used to make Xenogears in Xenosaga but it actually is a decent game unlike those <laughs> so uh I would say you're not selling me on it yeah well no Xenoblade Chronicles X you really should just look at video of it uh, apparently it's the largest open world in a game ever made which, That's a bold claim. Yeah, which is pretty crazy, considering. But uh, it has, like, you know, you just explore and you kill monsters, and it reminds me a little bit of Monster Hunter, but not really. <laughs> okay. I, I think I get where you're going with that. It's kind of hard to convey what Xenoblade Chronicles is in, like, talking to you, but if you watch a couple of trailers, you'll kind of get the gist of it. It's kind of like an, an MMO, too, in weird ways. But anyway... If you like JRPGs and you like something weird and different, then this is certainly the game, and people have been looking forward to it, so... I can't imagine it being bad. I don't know. We've yeah. seen that story before, too. <laughs> I would say if you have a Wii U, this is definitely something you should consider buying, because uh, we want more Japanese role-playing games like this, and not so much like the really bad ones that were coming out for a while there. Gosh, you're really going to sell me on a Wii U, aren't you? Yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> you're just trying at this point. Yeah, and also, if you buy a Wii U, you can get this Zelda game when it comes out next year. Uh, yeah, you can also get Star Fox. Don't remind me. <laughs> just stop. Stop. So, if nothing else, buying a Wii U now will make sure you can get other Wii U games later. <laughs> you got a point there. Dang it. Okay, let's move on. Okay, let's, let's move on before I leave right now. I'll okay, uh, yeah, I gotta stop. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one 3DS game is on our list. It's because I don't own a 3DS, and Brian Hall mentioned this to me, but uh, Yokai Watch, which is basically the Pokemon for Shinto spirits. That's actually very descriptive. Yeah. I immediately know what you're talking about now. <laughs> yeah, so like. Um, well, there's literally a watch, and I guess yokai is like kind of like a word for spirit in Japanese, and kind of the spirits sit in your watch, and then you you know you go around, you fight battles, and it's kind of like Pokemon. I mean, it's not much else to say other than that. Yeah, I believe the developer is what's their name? Level Five. Level Five made one of the Dragon Quests, among other things. They're a really really solid developer. I mean, Nino Kuni and a bunch of other stuff. Anyway, I can't imagine if you don't have a 3ds or if you do have one you should probably buy it yeah sounds good i don't happen to own a 3ds but if i did i'd probably play it i don't either i haven't owned it. i have a game boy color it's the last <laughs> I have. yeah portable systems not really my thing but uh there are a lot of good exclusives for them usually true yeah. anyway 
moving on, let's see. Okay, there's a bunch of things. Uh, Talos Principle technically came out last year for Steam, but it did come out this year for the modern consoles. So, have you played it? I've heard a lot about it, but I haven't played it. Yeah, it's a strange puzzle game that is also a game about questioning God's existence and philosophical concepts about God's existence, among other things. Yeah, that's why I heard so much about it. Just, just, just the nature of our community means yeah, it's kind of a big thing. We're definitely going to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I would say I'm going to recommend it based on if that premise sounds interesting to you. It's kind of hard for it not to. Unless yeah. just talking about God is just completely outside the realm of your... Yeah, no, if um, if you don't want to actually talk about those things. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, I'd say I recommend it. People seem to like it, and uh, while I'm not kind of like the slow-paced puzzle, you know, kind of guy, I imagine at some point I'm going to have to play it. So Right, and I'm kind of in the same category. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so StarCraft II Legacy of the Void. Did you play StarCraft II at all? Yes, I love StarCraft II. Okay, so... Did you buy StarCraft 2, Legacy of the Void? <laughs> no, because, I've, as I mentioned last year, at the very beginning of last year's podcast, I'm kind of running out of money ah, okay. <laughs> with, all, with all the games that are coming out. But <laughs> I am excited to play it at some point, though, because I do love StarCraft 2, and this is the final chapter of StarCraft 2, actually. Oh, yeah, for campaign purposes. Yes, so I'm kind of excited to see how they're going to wrap it all up. And I would guess the multiplayer is improved. I mean, they usually... I, I don't think it's ever not improved. Like, you know how some games like always have at least like one misstep? I don't know if the StarCraft's ever had that. Yeah, I, the only thing I think that was going wrong with StarCraft 2 is that they had the death ball strategy, where you just kind of clump units together and just rush people. And it became so predominant that it made games uninteresting to actually play or watch. But <laughs> <laughs> At least from an eSports perspective, let me qualify that a little bit. Well, to be fair, StarCraft has kind of been on the on the down slide for esports anyway, just because of how big MOBAs have gotten. Yeah. MOBAs have really taken over the the esports scene. Yes, because if you know you're not playing League of Legends or Dota 2 or Heroes of the Storm, then why bother? <laughs> it's really it, I mean it's it's kinda sad, honestly, for people like me who's always liked StarCraft, but I can at least understand why though. I because was... it's yeah. It's so much more watchable. Like, I do understand that MOBAs are just... They're a better watch, honestly. RTS games seem like they are more actually competitive, if that makes any sense. Like, I mean, I don't know. I've played them both. As In terms of, like, a skill ceiling, if you think of it that way. Right? Okay. The, the skill I, I ceiling on StarCraft and, uh, let's say, just say real-time strategy games in general is much higher. Because, you know, it's like, how many clicks per second can you make? How fast can you build up your unit, queue your build order, that sort of thing. Yeah, and I guess you're also just juggling more. Yeah, I mean, multitasking. It's it's difficult to play StarCraft competitively, <laughs> to say the least. So, And it's more of a solo thing, too, whereas MOBAs are usually part of a team. Yeah, and uh, coordinating a team is a different kind of difficulty. Especially right. five people and across the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so... So I'd say StarCraft II Legacy of the Voids probably a recommend for people who already own the first two StarCraft stuff. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's what I would say. And if you happen to 
be interested in the StarCraft story, I'd say buy it. And if you're interested in the multiplayer, buy it. But RTS games have not really been that popular lately, so... Which is really sad. I love RTS games. Okay, so you're more of an RTS person than I. I can't seem to play them worth anything. <laughs> I love RTSs. I'm not quite as competitive. I'm, I'm nowhere near on the level with them as I am with, like, first-person shooters, but... I'd like to say I think I'm pretty competitive. Yeah, so, but this is probably the most accessible RTS there is out there right now. Yeah, I agree. It's definitely, if if you're looking for an entry point into strategy games, this is it. Yeah. <laughs> I would say play it. You know what, usually they have a, I think actually StarCraft 2, if you have it on Battle.net, has like a free trial, or like a free version of the game where you can just like mess around in it, so. Yeah, I they do. I would say do that, actually. And you can actually play with people who own the full game. Oh, wow. Okay. Because that's how... I was actually introduced to StarCraft because of a buddy of mine at church who knew I loved RTSs, and he's like, dude, you could just get the free trial and play against me, and you have to figure out the game. Oh, wow. Okay. That's great. That's, that's how I did it, which is honestly just an awesome way to market it. Like, just say, just come <laughs> play with your buddy who has it for a couple of games to figure out if you like it. Huh. All right. Well, I, I guess... My recommendation would be play the demo, basically. <laughs> yeah, play the demo, and if you like it, buy this. It's totally worth it. Yeah, there you go. All right. Uh, let's see what's next. I guess we're kind of descending into indie games a little bit here. Which is outside of my <laughs> realm of... You knowledge. did put The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth on here, which uh, I'm curious why. <laughs> Honestly, just because I've heard of it. Okay. It really wasn't because I'd like played it or really knew anything about it. I just I had heard a lot, honestly, from our community, really as much as anything else about the Binding of Isaac. Okay, so Binding of Isaac is kind of like a. I think the word roguelike is how people usually call it, even if it's inaccurate. But it's kind of like Zelda plus roguelike, plus kind of like shooting, you know, like twin stick shooter sort of thing. Okay, if that makes any sense. A little bit. Yeah, it's hard to really describe, but most people who play it seem to like it. So, I'm going to say tentative recommendation. I'm sure Pat Gann will kill me. (laughs) (laughs) Because he seems to like this a lot, and I think he played it for like 200 plus hours, so... Wow. Yeah, it's one of those kind of games. So, if you like that sort of thing, you'll probably like this. Anyway, on to the next thing. Assault Android Cactus, which is some kind of twin-stick shooter... Run around to kill stuff, but you can do it with four other people, which is fun. Uh, it's always fun. Yeah, and uh, Josh Collar liked it a lot, and he reviewed it for Theology Gaming. He gave it four out of five. So I'm going to say yes. That's a good thing. I'll trust our friend. Yeah. <laughs> Recommended. All right, next, Galaxy. Do you hear about this? I have, actually. It kind of looks like it plays like Asteroids plus kind of like a twin-stick shooter. I remember talking to the developers at, like, PAX East, and I was like, that looks like a twin-stick shooter. And they're like, it's not a twin-stick shooter. (laughs) Yeah, I actually played it when I was was there. Yeah, and they got kind of angry. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's that kind of game. Kind of the weird, nuanced shooter controls. You know, it is actually a roguelike in some way, because it has uh, randomly generated levels. And uh, everybody who has played it seems to really enjoy it. (laughs) Yeah, I enjoyed it. I played it when I was at PAX and really enjoyed it. Yeah, it's an interesting game, I'd say. And it comes from some strange developers. They made Skulls of the Shogun, I think? Yeah, I think you're right about that. Yeah, so 
yeah, I'd give it a recommendation because I want to play it, but I'm not sure if full price is what I want to pay for it. What's the selling? What's the selling price? I think it's like twenty bucks right now. Mm, might be a tad high. Yeah, I feel like I would need to play it a lot more to really figure out whether I wanted to actually like own it. <laughs> fifteen. If it came out as fifteen, I might, I might pick it up. But yeah, so Galaxy, I'd say, is a definite recommend. Especially if you're into that sort of retro kind of Japan anime vibe. Yeah. On there. I agree. All right. And the last two are my personal picks because uh, I played a lot of them. And technically they didn't come out this year, but you know what? I'm cheating. Because <laughs> they came out on Steam this year. So, all right. The first one is, let's see, Eskatos. I'm going to talk about that one first. Anyway, Eskatos is like a... You know how space shooters used to be like a big genre? Yeah. Yeah, well, uh, they kind of haven't been in the West lately. <laughs> yeah. But in Japan, they've been like really big for a long time. You know, at least big enough to actually have games continue to be released. So Eskatos is kind of like a throwback to those kinds of games. It's a very simple game with a very simple scoring system, and... I would liken the game's progression and pacing to, like, Space Invaders if a DJ was behind it. <laughs> if, if that makes any sense at all, I'm not sure. But uh, the game has... I'm with you. Yeah, the game has kind of, like, an unparalleled sense of pacing, and uh, it's actually really fun and accessible. And so I would say buy it. I think Sold it's, me on it. Yeah, so I think it's on Steam for, like, 15 bucks. That's not bad. Which is, like, perfectly reasonable for this kind of game. And, uh, you know, it used to be, like, $80 on Xbox 360 a couple of years ago, so... What? Yeah, well, you know, if you buy things from Japan, it's it's expensive. Good grief. <laughs> yeah, so... So this is why I'm happy these games are coming out on Steam, because they used <laughs> to cost an exorbitant amount of money for people like us to play. Not anymore. Not anymore. Yep. And the next game that I also have, Mushihime-sama, technically is a decade-old arcade game, but has finally gotten a Western release uh, a couple weeks ago, I think. And uh, it's a bullet hell shooter by Cave. Do you know what bullet hell shooters are? Yes, I do. Okay, yeah. Uh, So basically, Cave is the company that created the genre. Oh. Long, long ago with uh, Dodonpachi or... You know, actually, people consider a different company to have created it. But anyway, they kind of perfected it. (laughs) Okay. So, and this is their, like, accessible game in this genre. It's not really like a space shooter kind of thing, because it's like, you're a princess who rides a bug and kills insects. You know, this sounds really dumb. But (laughs) (laughs) anyway, it's got some of the most beautiful 2D art I've ever seen in a video game in HD resolutions. It's turned the anti-aliasing off. But, uh, yeah, this came out on Steam. It used to cost, like, an exorbitant amount of money. It couldn't be played on uh, U.S. systems. And now you can buy it for the grand total of $15. Wow. <laughs> yep, so there you go. <laughs> the I'm whole... recommending it because I've played it for about seven or eight hours now. The whole most beautiful art in a 2D game, that's a pretty bold claim. Yeah, it's it's pretty unbelievable looking. Honestly, you know, just the amount of work required to make that pixel art look that good is probably pretty insane. Probably like us so much, but but over here. <laughs> all right. So, are there any other games we did not cover? Uh, I think we covered them all. Uh, yeah, I think we covered a ton. Goodness. I'm, I'm just looking at the list, and 
We really did. We covered a lot of ground. Yeah, goodness. Wow, that was a lot. But with the burden of giving the people what they want and helping the people spend their money comes great responsibility. Yeah, so... So we, we owed it to the people to cover all these games. Yeah, we had to. We needed to. <laughs> exactly. Unless there's... Is there a game I'm missing? Oh, goodness. I feel like I'm going to miss something. Well, we discussed beforehand. I still feel like we're missing an Xbox release, but I just, if there if there is, I can't think of what it is. Uh, what's being bundled with an Xbox One right now? Uh, I already have one, so I don't really know. You know what? Usually, the bundle is where you find out what's actually supposed to come out with the thing. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a Black Ops bundle and there's a there's a Halo bundle. I guess Rare Replay came out this year, but that doesn't count. No, that doesn't count. But you know what? It's good enough that I think people should actually know that it exists. Yeah, actually, I saw it on the uh, on the home screen and I actually got excited about it. I haven't bought it yet, but huh. I really want it. Yeah, well, it's 30 bucks for like 30 Rare games, and at least there's a few in there that are exemplary. <laughs> Oh yeah, there, there's a. I think there was at least five that I counted. And I was like, just put those five. five like I'm in. <laughs> yeah. And I'm gonna cheat a little and say Killer Instinct Season Three technically counts as a game coming out this year, or at least early next year. And I would say Killer Instinct is awesome. Never played it, so <gasps> go download it and try it for free. What is it? It's a fighting game. Uh, well, we've already been over my complicated relationship with fighting games. Oh no, games. you should seriously try it. Killer Instinct <laughs> is great. You know, look, if my dad can play a fighting game, you can play this. <laughs> under, no, under normal circumstances, I'd be offended. But again, given my complicated yeah, with them. <laughs> but yeah, seriously, just try it. It's, I'm pretty sure you can download it for free. So. Okay. And uh, there is one other obscure Wii U release that I will mention. Because it's on my Amazon wish list, I guess. And uh, it's called Rodea the Sky Soldier. I actually have seen that. Yeah. I've, I've seen that. It's a strange game with a troubled development cycle, which, as we noted on this show, is not usually a good thing. No, not, not usually at all. But, 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 it is from the creator of the Sonic series, I think, if I had to guess. Let me see. You know what? I'm, you know what? Oh, look, I totally did my research here. Uh <laughs> <laughs> I think the problem was that it was bought by other people. Oh, okay, yes, okay, yep. Yuji Naka, I'm pretty sure. He's the guy that is best known as the former head of Sonic Team. So Yuji Naka made this game. It's uh, kind of like an aerial kind of mix of Knights and Sonic the Hedgehog, if that makes any sense. Okay. So uh, the problem with it is that the Wii U version is awful. <laughs> <laughs> and it comes with the Wii version, which is good. So, yeah. It's kind of a weird thing because most of the de- people reviewing it are reviewing the Wii U version and not the Wii version. Because, I mean, it makes sense, right? Yeah, because that's that would, that would be the one you're supposed to. Yeah, which <laughs> just review. is strange. But it went through this weird, troubled uh, publishing thing. It was, like, mostly done. And then, like, a bunch of publishers bought the companies that were making it a bunch of times and delayed the release and... That sort of thing. And then eventually they were like, go make a 3DS version. And then they ported that to the Wii U. So that's where things get complicated. Anyway, uh, I'm not even sure if I would say I recommend it because I have no idea whether or not it's really good or not. It's an yeah, acquired taste, to say the least. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you. 
Anyway, I guess that's gonna like end it because I can't even think of another Xbox One game coming out. No, I I really think I'm forgetting one, but I'm sure someone out there is really miffed that we didn't include a certain game, and they will let us know what we forgot. I think most people are playing Halo Five or Call of Duty, so or Fallout or Fallout. <laughs> Shout out to all the Fallout people. I know what you're playing right now. So <laughs> everybody's playing Fallout. There's, there's got to be another one. I, I can't possibly comprehend that there's not another one. Like, is there a new Fable though? No. Seriously. I just looked over a quick list and I, I didn't see anything except sports games. But we already decided beforehand not yeah. to mention sports games. Yeah, because uh, basically our recommendations for sports games is if you like sports games, buy sports games. <laughs> If you like them, you'll buy them, and we won't. We don't have to tell you about that. Yeah, you know, I think next gen console, like basically everything in the fall season, is Call of Duty and Halo and that sort of thing. But yeah, it's usually later. Like it's just it's IP recognizable IPs. I guess would be the way to put it. Yeah, and basically nothing else can swim in their wake. So don't even bother. Yeah, anything else that would have already come out by now. So, uh, any final games? I'm guessing not. The only one that caught my eye... I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I'll admit, I'm looking at Game Informer's list right now to see if we missed <laughs> anything. The only thing that caught my eye was that there is a Sword Art Online game coming out. And I actually have heard a lot about this, because a lot of people really like Sword Art Online. Huh. Yeah, that's an anime, isn't it? A- yes, it's a... I'm working my way through it right now. I'm at the very beginning, and it's a very good anime. Sword Art Online, goodness... I feel like I should know more about this. <laughs> I'll be honest, I don't know a lot about the game because my friends who know about it don't want to spoil stuff about the show. Because uh-huh. I'm still because I'm still watching the show. Yeah. So, so, I can't say a lot about it, but it did kind of catch my eye that that, that was there. Okay, watch the anime recommendation. Uh, <laughs> I don't know about yeah, the recommendation. Watch the, watch the anime. Because yeah. it actually came out today. The release date is today. Oh, okay. Alright, well, I don't know about the video game, though. I don't know either, but I'm just throwing it out there. It's but, a thing. But I know it's based in an MMO or something. Yeah, if you really like Sword Art Online, there's a game that just came out today. Yeah, so go buy it. F- FYI. Yeah, we have no we have no <laughs> reservations, just go buy it. <laughs> we just heard about There's also a Pokemon game, but it's not like a real Pokemon game. It's Pokemon Super Mystery Dungeon. Oh, it's like a roguelike it's... kind of thing. Eh, I'm sure it's solid. I mean... Is that another one of those where are we are we sure they've ever made a bad Pokemon game? Uh, guess it depends on whether or not you like Pokemon Snap. Oh man, that game was amazing. Okay, there you go. See, I, I love that game. There isn't a bad woman. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. I love yeah, Pokemon. That's Snap. another podcast. <laughs> All right, well, that's your holiday shopping guide. Buy Pokemon Snap. Uh, <laughs> think it's on virtual consoles. So yes, go buy it. Anyway, uh, when we're not taking photos of Pokemon, Andrew Crawford, what are you doing? Um, I have a couple of different places you can find me. I have a blog at The Geek in the Word at Blogspot. How has that been updated lately? I, I believe I wrote something just a little while ago, and I actually do have something in the works for that. So you know, you should like link it more in the TGU Facebook group. <laughs> I probably should. Yeah, which is where you can find us because we discuss things there. Am I allowed to plug my fiction stuff? Uh, sure. Why not? Because uh, you can find me at fanfiction.net. Oh, yeah. You write Harry and Potter fanfiction, right? I do write Harry Potter fanfiction. 
and I'm I actually just finished my huge uh, trilogy that I was writing. I just finished it the other day and released the last chapter. But um, you don't write the creepy, weird kind of fan fiction, right? No. Okay. I don't, so I don't write we that can case. freely advertise that on this show. Yes. Um, all of my stories haven't been ported over to fanfiction.net yet. You can find all of them at uh, portkey, portkey.org, because I'm an avowed Harry Hermione shipper. <laughs> portkey? What is Portkey? Portkey is a Harry and Hermione only fanfiction zone. Wow, for people I didn't... Who, yeah, those exist. <laughs> That's really specific. Well, you know, some of us think that a couple of things JK could have gotten right, but... Yeah, I totally think she messed up on that one. But anyway, <laughs> if, if that is up your alley, you can find me there. And I actually do have, if probably not a lot of people here would be anybody who would be on Wattpad, but I do have an original work of fiction art that I am working on on Wattpad as well, and that I hope to eventually get published. Oh, so, man. Well, there that you is, go. That is a thing. Yeah. That's why we haven't heard from you in an entire year. That, honestly, that is where I've been. I, I've been on my fiction writing, but I, I'm kind of hoping to be back on a regular basis. I've kind of settled into a groove. I'm not completely lost in my stories anymore. Yes. I've kind of gotten into a regular routine with them, so well, kind of I, hoping to be back. Well, I hope the experience was a good one. Oh, it was. Learned so much. Yeah. Well, uh, writing is hard. Yes, it is. <laughs> Alright, well, this has been the Theology Gaming Podcast. If you would like to know more about us, you can go on iTunes and subscribe and give us a five-star rating, and then go on TGU, or you can go to TheologyGaming.com for more of this written content and stuff. (laughs) Well, I hope this holiday shopping guide, so to speak, has been helpful, and uh, thank you, Andrew, for joining me. Hey, we gotta have the experts in, baby. Yeah, we're the experts. Half the stuff we haven't even played. Yeah, we're the best. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) All right, well, see you guys next time. Bye.